Okay, thank you all for coming for the third shear in this three-part series on the last week, or I should say the last few days of the nine days, Wednesday of the nine days of Toshin Pei Beis. is still enough time to be eating meat in Yerushalayim on Sunday with B'Asa Mashiach. That's what we're hoping for. Okay, um, today we're going to be discussing some very contemporary issues in the Mechitza issue, but not in the Shul. Mechitza in different venues. We're going to be discussing the Shitas Abach. Abach is not someone that everybody is very familiar with. He wrote a he wrote a he wrote a Pirish, a commentary on the tour living in the 1500s. He is most famous for his opinion of leniency that Chodosh can be eaten in Chutzlaritz. Rabbi Salavechik Zatzal was a big proponent against Abach, and he held like most of the other Achreinim, as did his. His family is an ancestry of Brisk, and he's the one who was credited for bringing the concept of Yoshon to Chicago. And um, right now, all the bakeries, because of his credit, all serve Yoshon. Anybody who is not Makbid, like most of us, are not Makbid on eating Yoshon and Chutzaret is only because of the Bach. The Bach says you don't have to eat Yoshon and Chutzaret, you can eat Chodosh and Chutzaret. But in Eretz everybody agrees you have to have Chodesh. I'm just giving you a, ra- a frame of reference about who the Bach is. Now, look at paragraph 52. And the Bach says something here which is kind of incredible and very impactful. Be'krakow. First line of paragraph 52. Noyagin. They had a minig in Krakow. She'besuda sho'isen b'leil sheini. The second night after the chasana, they would make only the bracha she'bora. They would not make the bracha she'asimcha b'moinot. They would not say the word she'asimcha b'moinot. Simcha b'moinot is a special nusach in benching. That means this simcha, this celebration, is celebrated in his abode above in Shemayin. Why is that? Why don't we say It's a small suda. And here we are. Line, first line, underlined right up as number 52. Now hang on. We're going to have a chiddish right now. Some of you may not appreciate this Chiddush, but it is a Chiddush of the Bach. Men and women are sitting in one room without a Mechitza. You may not, you may not state the statement of this is a Simcha which is celebrated in Shemayim, where there may be some type of hero, thoughts of Avera, of intermingling between the genders. If they're only men, so the Bach lays down a rule. His rule is that if there is no Mechitza, we are not talking about a Shul right now, we're talking about a Sheva Brachas. If there's no Mechitza to Sheva Brachas, you may not say the word Shesimcha B'mayna, it's a Peladika Chiddush. It's not a true Simcha. Says the Bach, it's not a true Simcha if men and women are sitting together. Prisha, next. This is the Bey Shmuel. The Bey Shmuel is one of the Achreinim who was a commentator on the Shulchan Aruch, who lived after the Bach, who quotes the Bach. The Prisha says that the Bach writes, when an Oshiba, an Oshiba, Cheder, Echad, Einoimim, Simcha, B'mayinai, Dein Simcha, there is no Simcha when the Yitzhahar is Shalit. There's no Simcha when the Yitzhahar is That's what the Bach says, and the, and the Bey Shmuel quotes the Bach. Then the Shach, also one of the commentators on Shulchan Aruch. All of these people lived after the Bach, 
and give deference to the Bach and give cover to the Bach by quoting the Bach. Quoting the Bach. So the Bach, quoted by the Beishmuel, quoted by the Shach, are of the opinion one may not say Sheva Brochus with the words if men and women are sitting without a Mechitzah. Rabbi and Kotler now we're talking about, we're jumping from the 1500s, the early 1600s, up to the 1900s. Rabbi and Kotler has a tshuva, paragraph 55. I'm sorry, it got stapled the wrong way. Turn back to page one, if you don't mind. Turn back to page one. In paragraph 58 on page one, Rabbi and Kotler is writing about having a mechitza in a shul, but then tangentially he mentions, not tangentially perhaps, he mentions in paragraph 58, Mufurish Babach, he quotes the Bach. He quotes the Beishmuel. Men and women are found in one room. It's finished. So now we jumped from the 1500s to the 1600s to the 1900s. People quoting the Bach and saying that we can't have a Shabbat and recite Shasimcha B'moyim. Now, we are now jumping to the backwards, but we're going to the 1800s. Now, I want everybody to understand. Kali Shoals made up of different segments of people. Anybody who was here for Shia number one and Shia number two knows that Ramesha Feinstein and who, Rabbi Say? Who was against Ramesha Feinstein? Satmar Evazatzal had very, very serious disagreements regarding the issue of Mechitz. Now, the Satmar Evazatzal represents Hasidim, not all Hasidim. He represents the Hasidim who were really in the Hungarian area. And the Satmar Rebbe was known as a big Kanoi. We spoke about that. And the Satmar Rebbe was a gigantic Tomachach. Now, preceding the Satmar Rebbe by several decades, there was a Jew known as Reb Chaim Sanzer. You may have heard of people may say to you, I'm a Sanzer Enikol. That means I come from Reb Chaim Sanzer. He was a tremendous, tremendous going in Tomachachim. He is the, uh, his progeny is all over the Hasidic world. Many Rebbe's come from sons. Ich bin a sons is something I always heard from my friends who are Hasidim. So many Rebbe's are descendants of the sons of Rebbe. So the sons of Rebbe wrote a psak did. This is on, now we're on page three, paragraph 59. Taira Umrah, the first line, Taira Umrah, Tzayfin Asatich, Labish Yashol, and Roshim, Bavayna, Yomos, Yaganza, a whole... Uh, the, what should I say, passionate statement. I want you to look at the bottom of page 60. Uh, excuse me, the bottom paragraph, page 60, on the same page we're on, page 3. Psak bezin zen nase bishnas tofreish chofbog. Tofreish chofbog, here's a hint. You want, you want to find out what the Hebrew date is? You add 40 years. Okay, tofreish chofbog. Now what are we now? Tofshin, right? We're in tofshin. Okay, so tofshin is... Mostly in the 1900s and in the 2000s. Tough rage is mostly in the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s. So, with that information, could somebody please tell me when tough rage chof vav is in English? Okay, a little bit of a math quiz here. Tough rage chof vav, anybody know? 1866. In 1866, this was published, and he writes Psak Dinzer was made in 1866. And it was Nisparsing, Uvesaifa Psak. This is what he wrote. 
This is a public announcement that I am making. To exclude Midas Tzedukim. Anyone know what the Tzedukim are? Anyone know what Tzedukim? You all know what Tzedukim are, but you're just a little nervous to say it because you're not sure. You may not be right. Tzedukim, but you will be. Tzedukim are those Jews uh, who, um, in the uh, in the time of Chazal, who uh, took the Torah literally, did not use the Torah Shebal Peh, and there was a continuous fight between the Tzedukim and the Prushim. There's a very famous person named Yechanan Koyen Godel, who was the Koyen Godel for 80 years. 80 years, and at the end of his life, he went off to Derech and became a Tzeduki. Hard to believe and hard to understand. There's a tremendous pull to follow this movement. He's using a borrowed terminology. He means to say that the people in his time who were part of the Reform Movement and the Haskalah Movement and the Enlightenment Movement, they printed the following Piskei Alochas, and he says, I want you to know that what I wrote here who I'll call Makai Mikolzman, it applies any time and anywhere. Wherever there are Jews who believe in God, we'll be here forever, what we wrote. And you're going to see what that means. This letter that he published in 1866 and said it's going to last forever has ramifications to a show in Chicago right now. And it affects many people in Chicago. Many people in Chicago are affected by this statement. Okay. Now, what was said in the statement? Turn to page four. Now get ready. Get ready and hang on. We are entering the world of Chaim Sanza. And we're entering the world of the reaction to everything I just said. Reform, Haskola, Enlightenment, all those things put together. Now get ready. These were people who were fighting for the neshama of Klal Yisrael. There was a movement, the Reform Movement, that started in Germany. In 1830, the Reform Movement, you know the Reform Movement, you know the Reform Movement declared if you want to be a member of the board of their synagogues in 1830, I will give you $10,000 if you could tell me what they declared, how one can be a member of their board. $10,000, I'll get it for you in cash, by tomorrow. They declared, in order to be a member of the board, you may not wear tefillin. If you wear tefillin, you may not be a member of the board. You hear that? That's where they were fighting. You may not be a member of the board of the reform movement if you wear tefillin. What was the reason for that? Unfortunately, they got bitten by a bug. And they got a disease. And the disease spread throughout their body and turned into an acute infection, then an inflammation. It started off with a little bug, ended up with a tremendous fire. The fire was, we hate Judaism. But you see, there's such an interesting mitzvah to choose. It wasn't the only mitzvah they chose, but that was one of the mitzvahs they chose. There was a Jew here, some of you in this room know, knew of him, Mr. Lapushin. He lived in Ukraine. When he was 20 years old, he shut the show down in his... They closed the shul when he was 20 years old. I met him for the first time on Shabbos morning crying in front of North Shore Bakery. And I said, was why are you crying? Who are you? And that started our friendship. He lived for another 15 years until he was 97. He told me there was a sign written by a child. It said, 
Am Yisrael Chai. It was the first time in 62 years he saw the Aleph Beis displayed publicly. And he was crying. I walked up to shore with his wife. Next day, Dr. Laker, for those people who know the name, bought him a pair of tefillin. He never missed putting on tefillin. He told me many times, for 62 years, they closed the shore. There was a special division in the Russian government made up of Jews to close down everything Jewish. Hard to understand. Now here's the reaction. Paragraph 61, 62, 63. Are you ready? Anybody wants to leave is welcome to leave right now. Here we go. Also did a rov may not speak in a shul in the language of the nation. We may not hear a drasha that is spoken in the language of the nation. If you hear the rub is darshaning in that shul, in the language of the land, you must leave the shul. You know what this applies nowadays in 2023? You're looking at me like I'm strange. <laughs> Rabbi Unger Shul, you may not speak in English, only Yiddish. You may not speak in English. You may not give any Joshua in English. Nothing is spoken in English. Everything is in Yiddish. Nothing is in English. Most of the non-Hasidish Oilam and many in the Hasidish Oilam do not abide by this. They speak in English in the show. Rabbi Eichenstein speaks in English. Rabbi Tursky speaks in English. Rabbi Chaim Tursky speaks in English. Even though they are sons or enikach, they speak in English. Because their fathers spoke in English. Rabbi Eichenstein, the Zidich of a Rebbe, when he was able to speak, he should be Zechah for Hashem, spoke in English. Then there's another halacha about going into a shul and where the basic, where the bima is not in the middle. This is a big tumult that shuls started putting the bima on the platform of the oren. And they lane from the Torah on the platform of the oren. That's a big shiloh. And then he says in paragraph 63, If the men can see the women, you may not dive in such a shul. You may not go into such a shul. And then, paragraph ches, no number. You're not allowed to make a chuppah in a shul. This is not brought down in Shulchan And it's not brought down in the Gemara. It was brought down because the non-Jews of the world make their weddings in the house of worship. And then the reform movement came along and copied them and started making a chuppah in the shul. Okay, so it was a Shiloh before, what they did before, didn't do before. But there was a reaction. And many Hasidic Rebbe's will not be Masada Kedushin for a chasen that's inside a shul. I'm talking about inside the sanctuary. They won't do it. Social hall will do it, obviously, not inside the sanctuary. Okay. Now, well, outside or it has to be with a hole in the roof. For some people are machmir. I went to a chassan once in Montreal, yeah. middle of the winter. Kala marched down to the chuppah with a white mink stole yeah. because it was less than 20 degrees outside. I once went to a chassan in Milwaukee where for some reason they were machmir to make the chuppah outside and the Hassan Kala did not wear coats, and it was freezing. They were freezing. And they asked that 
anybody who gets a bracha under the chuppah should do it quickly. I got the ksuba. I put on my uh, my um, uh, my fastest tongue that I could, and I went through that uh, that ksuba extremely quickly. Like the people who um, auctioneers, I have an auctioneer speed in my uh, in my dialect over here. Okay, now so. You can't dive in a show where the rub speaks the language of the land. What language did the Shamshafol Hurst speak in his show? German. 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 That was not acceptable in Eastern Europe. Completely unacceptable. Especially in the Hasidic parts of Eastern Europe. It was completely and totally unacceptable. Turn, please, to page 5, paragraph 64. This is the conclusion of the tshuva written by the Sanzer. As you see in the black letters underneath paragraph 64, it says, There are a lot of Hasidish Rebbes who have the last name Halberstam. Anybody know any? Last name Bobov. The Bobov Rebbe is Halberstam. Now, now. I'm reading paragraph 64 on the line. You may not change any minute. In this excuse me. You may not change. Somebody had an event recently. What was it called? We were just here. Shimon Russell was here for Shabbos. You know what I'm talking about? Kashri. Uh, he spoke. Uh, he spoke several times. You know, yeah. Who? Wasn't it about educational children? Chinuch in crisis. It was called something in Hebrew. I forgot what it's called. And uh, the venue on Shabbos, the meals were in the Aguda on Prat. But they had a problem. But they want to have their own minion. So they went across the street to Cheder, former ATT and uh, Ida Crown building, which is now owned by the Cheder. So they davened there. They allowed them to have a separate minion. Ah, so why didn't they have the meals there? I have to go across the street for the meal. What's the answer, Mr. Ramshik? You look like you want to say it. No, you don't have to sit separate. They have to sit separate at a machitza. You cannot have a suda in that building with men and women sitting together without a machitza. That's the deal. Huh? Okay, whatever. You, you, want to, you want to rent? You want to rent that building? You can have your own minion. You want to have a meal there? It has to be with a machitza. So, they couldn't have the meals there. They had the meals across the street. But they couldn't have it across the street. They want to have their own minion. So they dive in, and then the academy, old building, the cheder, and they went across the street to um, the Aguda to have their meals. Okay, but as I stay here, that's what, that's what it says. Okay. So by Rabbi Unger's show, they only speak Yiddish, they don't speak English. They're marked having a mechitza even by Shevon Brachas. Now, I don't know an answer to this question. I don't have an answer to this question. I asked a number of people, I don't have an answer. I have, I've never heard, it could be that I don't know, but I've never heard of a chasana 
with a machitza down the middle between the men and the women. Chasidish or non-chasidish, I've never heard of a... I could be wrong. I've never been deep in Williamsburg for a chasan of chasidim. I've been in Williamsburg for chasanas, but not a chasidish chasan. I think you had a chasan in Williamsburg, right? Okay. But I'm talking deep, deep in Williamsburg, satma chasana, pupa chasana. I was never there. But I never heard that there's a mechitza by the chupa. Number one. Number two, I've never heard of a mechitza by a levaya. Has anybody ever seen a mechitza by a levaya? I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why they don't have... And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe deep in Williamsburg, again, by every levaya, they also have a mechitza. I don't know. It could be. It could be. I, it could be. I just don't know. I asked a number of my chasidish friends and they told me that um, uh, that there is no mechitza, but again, maybe maybe they don't know either exactly what's going on. Okay, now, now let's continue. Now let's go. What else? What else is like this? Me'idachisa. What does me'idachisa mean? What's the other side of the fence? What's the other side of the fence? What's the other side of the fence? Here we go. Um, there is a sefer called Minig Yisrael Torah, which is found on page six. Page six. Before we read the Minig Yisrael Torah, we're going to go down to the bottom of page six, paragraph 66, which is a Lavush. The Lavush is the earliest commentator on Chumash. Excuse me, on Shulchanach. It says like this. You need a minion for Sheva Right? Everybody knows that. Shabbat Shalom. As a matter of fact, I had to write a tshuva. I was at a chasana. It was my nephew's chasana. And they danced and they danced and they danced and they danced. It's my rizik. My rizik. And they danced and they danced and they danced and they danced. It was my rizik. They came to benching. I have not been at benching at a chasana in so long. I don't remember the last time. Remember the last time? I stayed for the first dance. Maybe for the second dance. I came out and never stay for benching. But it was my brother's son's chasana. I have only one brother, and he has only one son. And you know what happened at the end of the chasana? They had no minion by Benjamin. So they couldn't recite Shavuot at the chasana. Couldn't recite Shavuot because they had no minion. Because people, there were, there were a lot of women and a lot of kids, and seven men over by mitzvah. We tried to go into the kitchen to find some waiters. We had no minion. Now, when Boaz got married to Rus, they had a Sheva Rochas with a minion. Underline now, paragraph 66. Wherever men and women can see each other, like by a Sudas Nesuin, which is the opinion of the Bach. Says the Lavush, we ain't this horanachshav this year. We don't conduct ourselves this way nowadays. The Efsher, Mishom, the Achshav, Morgoloi, Sanoshim, Harvey, Beno, Anoshim. Men and women are found together very often. We ain't Kanehure Avera, and therefore the, um, the, uh, uh, the subjugation of perhaps thinking of improper or promiscuous thoughts between the men and the women does not take place. Just because the men and the women are gathered together. The Damian Allah and Kikaki Chiyurami Techroi, Hagela, Menenu, Bekim, the Dashu, Dashu. 
And therefore, the Lavosh Paskins, that we are of the opinion that nowadays, if you have a Sheva Brachos and there's no Machitza, you do say Shesabchavamayah. Because the world has changed. Chiddush Nifla of the Lavosh. So now, we're going back to the 1500s, and we start off with two tracks. One track is no machitza, you don't say shesibcha b'leina. One track is no machitza, you do say shesibcha b'leina. Rabbi Unger, all the way down from the 1500s, they don't have the Sheva Brachas without a machitza. No such thing. They don't have a mitzvah without a machitza. They don't have a Shabbos meal without a machitza. Okay? You know, I'm asking permission, Rabbi. So, okay, so just let him know. I got feeling I'm just. I got permission. Yeah. Thank you. So, the is a. There's no. Uh, there's no. Um, there's no meals by them without a mechitza and by us. What? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So, I'm going to tell you what I have seen in my lifetime. In my short lifetime, I want to tell you what I've seen. Okay, um, I've gone. To several national Aguda conventions. Several. Many. And uh, I've gone to several Aguda conventions in Illinois. And I've gone to, I think, I think only one, one Torah Masora convention. And um, I've gone to a Lakewood Shabbaton. And um, and I, I've gone to um, a Chinuch Shabbaton. And I went to a Sheva Brachas recently of the granddaughter of Rosh Hashanah, the great granddaughter of Arankov. And all the Rosh Hashanah were there. And not one of those places, not one, at any of the Shabbos meals, were the men and women sitting with a machitza. As a matter of fact, at the Aguda Conventions and at the Torah Convention and at the Lakewood Shabbaton, um, the men and women were all sitting at the same table. What happened? What happened to Chaim Sanza? What's the answer? What's the answer? The way of the world. No, no, no. Wait, say better. Say better. I just, I just gave, I gave you the answer. The answer is that the Bach holds. They have to be sitting separate at least. And with a machitza, that's the pashtas. And the Levush holds not like that. So the Bach was followed by the Beishmuel and the Shach and all of the all. All of the Hungarian Paiskin. And the Lavush, who said, you do say Shasibchavamayna, even when men and women are sitting together, was followed by Ashkenazi Paiskin, which means all of the Western European Paiskin, Germany, and all of the Lithuanian Paiskin, in Lita, and many of the non Hasidish Paiskin. And um, two roots, two paths in Klai Yisrael. Two roots and two paths in Klai Yisrael. As a matter of fact, I will tell you 
that I, I, I can't tell you I was there because I wasn't, and I can't tell you I've seen any pictures because I didn't. But there were definitely pictures of Rosh Yeshiva, very big Rosh Yeshivas who had their children's chasanas. There was mixed seating, no question about that. Uh, but there was also um, dancing without a mechitzah. So how could it be dancing without a mechitzah? What's, what's, what's going on with dancing? So the answer is like this. Um, there is dancing, and there is dancing. The dancing used to be that people walked around in a circle. They, you know, they, they walked around in a circle. That's called dancing. That's called dancing. And that's the way people used to dance. You had a circle, and you walked around in a circle. Then, I don't know, maybe 40 years ago, maybe 45 years ago, the dancing became very quick. People weren't walking anymore. They were flying. Then you know what else happened? Besides flying, people started doing acrobatics or crossness, jumping and flipping and fires on their head, all types of things, right? All types of things are going on. And then the women started doing them also. So instead of walking around in a circle, we had people gyrating. Gyrating, gyrating. So what happened as a result of that was that um, uh, it became necessary um, to either stop the women from dancing or to make it um, very difficult, if not impossible, for the men to see the women while they're dancing. That's what happened. Out of necessity, we brought a mechitza into Hasanus. That's what happened. Because there was no more walking around in a circle. That stopped. It stopped. The bands nowadays, most people, I shouldn't say, I could say most people should probably, for health reasons, put something in their ears. But many people do put something in their ears because it's really, it's not healthy. You want Iraya? Everybody who plays in a band nowadays, earplugs. Nobody plays in a band without earplugs. You know why? It's unhealthy. They lose their hearing. I, 40 years ago, no one had earplugs because it wasn't as loud. It wasn't as... You can fill in any adjective you want. Okay? So things have changed. Nowadays, it's very difficult to be at a chasada with gyrations without a machitza between the men and the women. Okay. So with that in mind, we now have a... Um, a, a, a tremendous, a tremendous machlekes going on here. A tremendous machlekes. Um, so let's go a little further. There are two, two classes in Klal Yisrael right now. Two divisions. Do we follow the Lavush? Do we follow the Bach? We follow the Bach. You want to sit at a Shabbos meal? You can't sit with somebody else's wife at the table. You want to ask me what happens at Hasidish homes when daughters-in-law come to the meal? With brothers-in-law at the meal, do they have a mechitza? I can't tell you. I could tell you that the boss said a rebbe. The boss said a rebbe. Hang on, okay. The boss said a rebbe at the meals at his house. I never ate at his house, but I uh, I was upstairs very often. Uh, the rebbe ate in the dining room with the men, and his rebbe said ate in the kitchen with the women, and they did not eat at the same table. I didn't say you should sign up for such a lifestyle. I just said that's what they do. That's what they do. Okay, do, what do Hasidim do 
when their children, married children, come home? I don't know. I never asked. I never asked. I'm assuming that in most Hasidic houses they sit at the same table, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay. Now, um, so that is what is stated here by the uh, by the Lavush. Now let's take a, a look on page, same page, we're still on page 6, Minig Yisrael Torah. He quotes the uh, the Beishmul in the back on the top line. He says, Nochon Lavarech, uh, he says, Loi Nochon Lavarech Simcha Mainai, the ancient Simcha Mainai, quoting that you should not say Shasimcha Mainai when there is going to be men and women together at a, at a Shabbat Rochus. And he says, Lodivri Abach, with the Kovat Hashem, you can't have a Kovat Hashem in such a situation. Therefore, the base Kinet says, we're in the fifth line now, Fine, going to be a chasana and shul, so there should not be any women in the shul while there's a chasana. Fine. No, don't get carried away, says the Minigashel Torah, because the Bach is talking about when they're in a room together. And after they eat and drink, it's a dangerous mixture. It's a dangerous mixture. It's not Roy Okay, but by a it's not true. Okay, but it shouldn't be an avuvia. That's for sure correct. Now the second paragraph on the page. And now we have a problem. What's the problem? This is a problem for a Masada Kedushan. It's a problem. Can a person be a Masada Kedushan when the Kala or the mother or the mother-in-law of the Kala is dressed highly inappropriately? Highly inappropriately. Because as we mentioned last week and two weeks ago, can you make a bracha if they're dressed highly inappropriately? And um, the answer is it's very hard to make a bracha. It's very hard to make a bracha. Um, so, if they are dressed appropriately, which Baruch Hashem at most of our weddings nowadays, that's the case, then it's not a problem. And he says it's not a problem either um, about having to have a machitza. But if they're dressed inappropriately, that's a problem. And I want to say something else, which is a different problem. Somewhat related, and this has become a uh, more of a modern day problem. I was just asked this question very recently. Would I accept a bracha under the chuppah if a woman is a participant under the chuppah? And um, I said, No, I can't accept a bracha if a woman is a participant under the chuppah, even if she's only reading the brachas in English after the men read the brachas. I said, I can't be a participant in the chuppah. I can't be a participant in the chuppah. That's only somewhat related to this issue. It's not the same as this issue. If there's a breakdown in the Messiah, that will be a problem even if you are not from the Sat Makihila. This is a new breakdown. Unfortunately, that's, um, that's taking place. Just like everybody understands that you cannot, this is not the same at all. This is one million times worse, but you could not be a participant in a quote-unquote chuppah when two people of the same gender are getting married. 
cannot be a participant. A, it's not a chuppah. B, over there, the bracha is definitely a bracha of Atola, so it's not comparable to a chasana in which there's a chuppah and women are participating by reading the ksuba, or as I said, or anything else. That's a very big problem. It's a very big problem. La halacha, is another problem in the double ring ceremony. That's a problem la halacha as well. But that's not our issue. It's not our issue. Um, Rishon Mazalman has a question. It's on page seven. There's a halacha that is not that well known, and I'll explain to you in a moment why it's not that well known. There's a halacha that a person should not walk behind a woman. Not walk behind a woman. I'm not talking about his wife, I'm talking about a woman, he should not walk behind a woman, because it can lead a man to start staring at the woman who's walking in front of him, and it's not a healthy situation. Not a healthy situation. So Shama Zalman was asked about this nowadays. And he says, um, we're not Musharin Kolkach about walking um, behind a woman. What's up shot? What's up shot? Um, so Shama Zalman makes an incredible diak. A diak means he takes a, a, a subsubtlety understanding of a word. Look at the, um, it's the sixth line down two lines after it's underlined, the paragraph 67. Shlomo Zalman says, the Aloha says, the first word in the line is, it says, you shouldn't walk behind it. What does the word poga mean? Anyone know what the word poga means? They meet. You know what the word poga means also? They meet? What? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no. it means they meet, but it means it's not a common happening. Pagan means it doesn't happen all the time. You know why it doesn't happen all the time? Because at the time of Shulchan Aruch, very few women walked in the street. You aware of that? Where were the women? At home. They were at home. Why were they at home? With the kids. And because it says, Kol Kavuda Bas Melech Panima. Women didn't go out. They very rarely went out. They very rarely went out women. It's Poga. Says Rosham Zalman, nowadays, who's in the street more, men or women? Either equal or women. So he says, that's not what the Allah was talking about. If it's a rare occurrence, and all of a sudden you see a woman, don't walk behind her. It's not healthy. But nowadays, what can you do? However, I would say, just since we're talking, I think it's important to know, I don't know what happened to the world, but I am, I'm not that old. I'm in my seventh decade. I'm not that old. But I can tell you that when I was a kid and I flew back and forth to Yeshiva when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, going on a plane was an event. You dressed up to go on a plane. No one ever came on a plane fashlibbled. And if you don't know what that word means, you know what it means anyway, right? No one ever came on a plane like that. Everybody came in a suit, with a tie. One of the breakdowns, maybe if you remember those things, people came out with turtlenecks. That was a style for a while. You didn't wear a shirt, you wear a suit with a turtleneck, you know, shoddy guys with turtlenecks. You used to go dickies under the shirt, but I about, yeah, that was a. Now people come to. People, to me, it looks like they come on the plane right out of bed. In their pajamas, in their bathing suits. I, I don't know what the, you know what's going on. You know, it's a. It's a, it's a, it's a scary thing. Um, so if you're walking and there's a woman walking in front of you, 
So what are you going to do? Try to walk over here? You'll have another woman walking in front of you. Well, there's nothing to do. Nothing to do. You can't. can't you want to know if are there great people who for that reason never go on a plane? Probably. There are probably people who avoid it. Probably. I'm imagining so. When the Chazanish, the Chazanish, it's indescribable. He was, a, he was a human angel. He died in 1953 of Bnei Brak. The Chazanish changed the world. So one time he had a walk in the street and he told his nephew, let's play a game. Let's make believe I'm blind. And you are helping me cross the street. So his nephew was a kid, didn't know what was going on. He was glad to play a game with his uncle and his uncle was walking in the street with his eyes closed, which of course you can't do if you're walking by yourself. You can't walk in the street with your eyes closed. You can't do that. You can't drive with your eyes closed either. doesn't work. doesn't work. Okay. But we should understand that there are people who conducted themselves that way. Now look at the Chazanish, paragraph 68 at the bottom. Nowadays, teaching Torah should be a problem. So the Chazanish says that even though you may be teaching in a place where there are women who may not be dressed properly, you can be saibach, Chazanish says, not recommended, but a person could do it. So this is a very big issue nowadays for people involved in Kiyar Rechaikim on college campuses. How in the world do you do Kiyar Rechaikim on college campuses? On college campuses, they don't have to fly in a plane. They get out of bed and they forget to get dressed all day. But that, you know, it's not, uh, you know, that's what a college campus is like. Now, um, so let's talk Lemaisa now. Let's talk Lemaisa. So what do we do Lemaisa? Lemaisa, we don't have a mechitza. When I say we, the non-Hasidic Oilam does not have a mechitza. At Sheva Brochus does not have a mechitza. At Shabbos meals, we don't have a mechitza. At Bar Mitzvahs, I was privy to see Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's Echad Sadek Lebrocha, who we mentioned many times. I saw it myself at least four times. It was really more than that, but four times I saw him sitting at meals and sitting at chasanas of his nephews and his nieces, in which it was mixed seating, and he was there. And he was there. But somebody wants to tell me that it's Osir to sit mixed seating. You can't tell me it's Osir. Ramesha Feinstein did it. It's not Osir. That's for sure. The Lavush held. It's not Osir. You want to tell me, you want to ask me what should be recommended? That's a different issue. A different issue. And I will say something else. And this depends on the people. And that is, um, if a person is sitting at a table with other women, which is permissible according to the Lavush, it's not permissible to flirt. Mm-hmm. Flirting with somebody else's wife is not permissible. You want to know what flirting is? I'm not telling anybody what flirting is. Everybody knows themselves what flirting is. If a man decides he wants to flirt with somebody else's wife, uh, he may be over on many Yisuri Daraisa. So a person has to know what that means. A person has to know what that means. Are you allowed to talk to someone else's wife? The answer to that is yes. You want, you want a proof? I'll give you a proof. My mother, Allah Shalom, was married to my father. My father, Allah Shalom, was best friends with my Rosh Hashiva. They became very close friends. Very close friends. And my father, Allah Shalom, died very suddenly. His yard site is this Friday. And uh, my mother was 54 years old. When I say suddenly, those of you, some of you know the story, my father was a Korean at Opinion of Ben, and it was one of the first times that videos were being used. Not the first time, it was 1988, but they were becoming much more common. And the person who was taking a video of the Opinion of Ben did not click out 
the time around the Pidyan Ben. So my father was the Kayan and he benched and he finished benching at 9.41 a.m. Friday morning, Erev Tishov, just like this year. And at 10.07, he was dead. He drove to his office from the shul, where he was the Pidyan Ben, told the secretary he wants to take a cat nap, which he did often because he got up early to learn. He sat down in his recliner and he died. Never woke up. And the Rashiva called my mother every Friday for 10 years to ask her how she's doing. The Rashiva had as much shyness to my mother as you have to the moon. Every week, Mrs. Cohen, how are you feeling? In his broken English. Are you taking your medication? How are your children? And they say, good Shabbos. It's unbelievable. I don't know if it lasted until he had a stroke. I don't remember how long it lasted. So, talking to women is permissible. Some Hasidish people will not, not talk to him. And talk to him, which is an added layer of Chum. Now, open up, please, into this supplement. And look at this tumble. Look at this tumble. Do you see the sign warning? This was issued by the Merkaz Rabbonim of Chicago. Merkaz Rabbonim of Chicago. And, 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 uh, and, uh, a body of Rabbonim that really does not exist any longer. Okay? Now, they're talking about a ban against worship in a synagogue without a machitza. As we know, that in Chicago there was something that was called traditional synagogues and they, they took out the machitza and it was a gansatu. Look at the people who signed on to the proclamation in Europe that the Merkaz Rabbonim of Chicago utilized. You see at the bottom of the page, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. I think that's nine people. First one, Chavetz Chaim of Radna. That's pretty good. Second one was Chaim Ber Guzinski. Chaim Oizek Guzinski, the God of Ador. Rav Duba Shapiro of Kovna. Rav Rav Isaac Cook of Yerushalayim. Yitzchak Yerucham Diskin of Yerushalayim. Meir Arik. Tarno, Rom Isaac Burstin of Tarvig, and Dr. Mayer Hildesheimer of Berlin. Cross section of all of Judaism. In those days, this is a big cross section. A big cross section. Yes? Do you know what year this was from? This, uh, yes. I'll show you in a moment. We need to turn over. Turn over the page. It's in English. And I think it says it has to be before 1932. That's when they signed on to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, take a quick look at page 92. Turn over to page 92. Proclamation of the Union of Orthodox Rabbis, introduction of certain innovations which violate Jewish law and tradition, prompts us to issue this public statement concerning machitzas, microphones, and clamps and circumcision. Jewish law forbids men and women to worship in the same section of the synagogue, even though they occupy separate benches. There must be a proper partition mechitza between the men and women sections of the synagogue. A proper mechitza is one that meets the requirements of Jewish law. Serving this confident Orthodox rabbis, Rabbanim of Hukum should be consulted. That's a very common expression. What does a mechitza mean? Ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Which could mean, it doesn't mean that because they weren't here, they weren't alive yet. But ask your Shafayim, you'll get two different answers. But you need a mechitza. Who signed on it? Page 93, the seven Rabbanim we just mentioned. Okay. I want you to take note that the ninth one, the last one, is Rabbi Dr. Meir Hildesheimer of Berlin. I'm emphasizing Rabbi Doctor. That was a very big innovation that the people in Eastern Europe were not interested in whatsoever. 
And note that in the middle, number four, is of Isaac Akoyan Cook. That's of Cook. And many people were not interested in that either. But in this situation, they came together because this was such an important event that everybody signed up. Very unusual. Now, we go back to what we started with in the first year, the book that was written about the sanctity of the synagogue, as we mentioned. And there's a list in this book of all Rabbanan from all over the world talking about Mechitzas. And Rabbi Soloveitchik from Boston was asked the following question, which is just a remarkable question. Remarkable question. Um, Look in page 82. The last paragraph that begins with the word of Soloveitchik, the quotation is on the third line. I do by hereby reiterate that a synagogue with a mixed seating arrangement forfeits its sanctity and is unfit for prayer. With full cognizance of the implications of such a lucky decision, I will still advise every Orthodox Jew to forego group prayer even on the days of awe rather than enter a synagogue with mixed pews. Rabbi Soloveitchik is going to sound like a Chaim Sansa. What do I mean to say? Somebody asked Rabbi Soloveitchik. He lives in the town in New England. There's only one shul, one synagogue. It's conservative and it has no machitza. And for whatever the reason was, he lived there and he was stuck there. So he asked Rabbi Soloveitchik the following shayla. It's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. I want to hear the shayfa. Good question. I want to hear the shayfa. The only place the shayfa is blown is in the conservative temple in town. I asked the Baltokeya, who I know, if he would blow for me in the afternoon after the oven. He told me no. Either you come to our synagogue or I don't blow for you. So he asked, can he go into the building to hear the shofar being blown? Our Salvechik said no. Now understand, there's a very serious statement here now, okay? And even if we don't want to relate I mean, we, rather we relate to the Bach and the Veshmuel and the Shach, as we said today, we relate to those opinions. We relate to those opinions. But even if we say we follow the Levush, and the Levush comes down on the side of, as I said, all of the, uh, the, the Ashkenazim and the Litvisha who don't have Mechitzes on Shabbos when they sit with other people's wives, etc., etc., etc. But a, sh- a shul without a Mechitza. A shul without a Mechitza. Says Rabbi Soloveitchik, I'm using Rabbi Soloveitchik Badafka. Says Rabbi Soloveitchik, you've lost the sanctity of a synagogue. What does that mean? What does it mean? You've lost the sanctity of a synagogue. What does it mean? You understand what this, what he's saying here? This is Rabbi Soloveitchik talking. You know what he's saying? He's saying you've lost the sanctity of a synagogue. You listen to the shafer there? No tiki, no washi. It doesn't help. That's an unbelievable psaac. You hear what's going on here? You hear what's going on? I would still advise every other Jew to forgo group payer even in the days of war rather than enter a synagogue with mixed pews. And I'll tell you again later on, he says, he writes it right here. In another instance, Dr. Zalvechik was written how we indeed advise one man in such a case to pray at home in the days of war. To pray at home. And I'm telling you that he writes there in more elaborate, he writes not to hear Shafer. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The seriousness. The seriousness. Now just to show you, not the confusion, but to show you the machlick, is turn on to the last page, page four, 
This is Avas Chesed, which is one of the Svarim of the great, 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 who doesn't need any elaboration, the Chavetz Chaim, who quotes where it's underlined. Whether there are men and women in one chupa, excuse me, in one cheder, in one room, by the chupa, in loy He quotes the Bach, and he quotes the Bei Shmuel. He quotes the Bei Yosef. Sef Chasidim said this. Then he makes a diak, underlined about nine lines up. We say this capital in davening every single day for those people who say Psukhadizim by Shachris. Bachurim begam besulais. It does not say Bachurim im besulais. Young men and also young women. It doesn't say young men with young women. Like it says the Canaan and Orim, elderly men with young boys. Because women and men have to be separate. Here's the Chavetzchayim. I am not going to be able to tell you because I am not enough of a historian and I've, nobody's ever really printed an article about it that I've seen. Why Lita chose the Levush and that Mahalach over the Mahalach of the Bach and the Shach and the Beishemol. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But the Litvisha Mahalach, the Yekisha Ashkenazi German Mahalach is a valid mahalach. It's a valid mahalach, which means it's valid to sit at a Shabbos meal with men and women. It's valid in halacha. How one interacts when one does that, that could be invalid in halacha. There are other people who are of the opinion. No. Under any circumstances, no. Men and women cannot sit together. And there are many disagreements in Klal Yisrael. Are the Hasidim right? Absolutely. Are the Litvisha right? Absolutely. Are the Germans right? Absolutely. How can they all be right? What's the answer? No, not we choose. Yeah, yeah, besides that, that's a good answer. What's the, what's the, what's the shot in the answer? How can we all be right? What's the answer? Because everybody has a Masorah. Everybody has a Masorah. If you follow a Rav, who's a legitimate Rav and Klai show, who's a Talmud Chachem, who says that in his opinion this is legitimate, then it's legitimate. You follow a Rav who's not legitimate, then it's not legitimate. It's a very simple formula. I know it's very complicated, but it's a simple formula. There were quote-unquote rabbis who wrote that it's permissible to drive to Shalom Shabbos. That's illegitimate. It's illegitimate. Can't be. There are people who said that a person can convert to Judaism without accepting the mitzvahs. Illegitimate. No such thing. There are people who say that a man can marry a man. It's illegitimate. There's no such thing. There are people who say that four couples can sit at the same table at a chasana. Four men and four women. Is that legitimate? Yes. Is that everybody's opinion? No. There are people who say, you can't speak English in shul. You must speak Yiddish. 
Is that legitimate? Absolutely. Is it legitimate to speak English? Absolutely. That's how we are. That's not easy. That's not easy. That's not easy. As I told you last week, and during the shiva, when my wife was sitting shiva for her mother-in-law, the question came up, and three different Hasidish Rebetzins in the city came to be Menachem and I asked them, um, I told you, that um, in the yeshiva world, the Litvish yeshiva world, Rosh yeshivas do not drive. Their wives do. They don't. In the Hasidish world, in the Hasidish world, women don't drive. And men do. Which one's legitimate? They're both legitimate. If you come from the world where only your wife drives and you don't drive, if that's the way you want, this. What to rely on? If you come from the world where the men drive and the women don't drive, this is what to rely on. If you come from the world where the men drive and the women drive, what to rely on? What to rely on? But everybody has to know, you know, what the story is and and where you're coming from, and who says that what you're doing is permissible. That's the biggest question in Judaism. So, do you need a machitza in which the men can't see the women? Some Rebbe holds you do. Ramesh holds you don't. But Ramesh says, as we read, if you want to ask me, look you should make a machitza where the women cannot be seen by the men. Aye, so how do you do that? And the women can see. So for many years, there are many shuls, women can't see anything. They can't see anything in shul. They can hear, but they can't see. But there are many shuls who, until recent years, this shul included, the men could see the women, so the women could see. And then they made an invention called one-way glass. Sometimes it works out better, sometimes it doesn't work out so good, sometimes it takes a few years to get it to work out really well. And that's a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And sometimes there were shuls that had, I'm not talking about Yeshur, I'm not talking about Yeshur right now. Sometimes there were shuls where the women could see the men for many, many years. And then people wanted to have a shul where the women can't see the men. That can be a very big struggle. Sometimes there are chasanas where the mechutin on one side wants to have fathers marching down with the chasan and mothers marching down with the kabbalah. And you know what? It's not workable when the other side wants the mother and father to walk down with Chassan and the mother and father walk down with the girl. Somebody has to give in in that situation. And hopefully it works without a machalikus. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you don't go out with somebody to begin with who is not going to be of that frame of mind. Because you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Okay, so... Um, Welcome to Kali Show. We're finishing again. Three Shurim, for which I thank you so much for allowing me to, to learn together with you that we should take on this, uh, um, this uh, very challenging um, discussion about um, the mixing of the genders and um, how, we, uh, how we deal with that issue. And, um, you know, we should be to deal with it properly. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't normally do this. We have an extra two minutes. I want to say something else that, um, because this will segue. I hope this doesn't happen because I hope by next year 
we will be in Yerushalayim Merakodesh, and Mashiach will be here. And whether they'll ask me to give sure or not, I have no idea. But um, um, the impact of society on the way we interact is becoming stronger and more difficult. And we are less understood. I was at a very, very, very important meeting, a national level meeting. I had to make a presentation there today. And before my presentation, they told me I was allowed to listen to the first part of the discussion. And there's a terrible situation going on in New York right now, terrible situation where the state government of New York is uh, trying to force education into the school system. I'm talking about into the yeshiva system in, in New York. That means that boys and girls in elementary schools should learn about LGBTQ. And we've already spoken about that here. We spoke about LGBTQ, we spoke about trans, we spoke about many different things over the summer, over the years. This next year, um, I, I don't know how relevant it will be, but it seems to be it will still be pretty relevant. I want to really talk about abortions. Why am I connecting that right now? Because abortion should not be an issue that we have to talk about. But it is. Why is it? Because of the impact of society in which we live. It impacts us. It impacts us. Just like a kid growing up can say, as most people in this room, whether they were of it or not, their children or their grandchildren have probably said, the boy I met next door has two mommies. There are many people already living in our neighborhoods of West Rogers Park and Peterson Park and Skokie who are like that. And then it's going to come out when they're a little older. Um, is it true, mommy, that if somebody decides they don't want to have a baby, they can kill the baby? Because unless you're really locked in somewhere, you don't know what's going on in the world. There's no way a kid's not knowing what's what's happening. I mean, but there, I'm talking an eight-year-old, you know, but a 13, 14, 15-year-old who doesn't know about abortions. Who doesn't know about abortions. And fences are, uh, nowadays are very difficult to keep things out when they come in in all ways because fences are, are not blockable like they once were. So um, the Mechitza issue is a serious issue. It's a serious issue. And the seriousness of the issue is that we, to a larger and larger and larger and larger part of the population, are becoming more incomprehensible. More incomprehensible. More incomprehensible. So um, we should be misspelled, as I ask it all the time. It's not what I want other people to do or don't do. I just want, I don't want other people to pollute our system and expose our children. And um, with that, I just want to end, but I want to end first on the tape. I want to thank you all. At the end of the third year, we should all be Zoycha to go. Michael, thank you very much.